One last thing before I get off the stage, I'm really excited to be able to introduce uh, our speaker this morning. Steve Davis is a guy that many of you know. He is an elder here at Genesis Church. Uh, Steve, you can come on up, and he's going to be given the message this morning. Steve is a great friend of mine. Uh, I was uh, really pleased to see that he was going to come and bring the message this morning, not only because he's a great speaker, but because he's a man of integrity and a man who loves the Lord. Steve, you can come on up and get ready. But uh, a couple things I always think of when I think about Steve Davis. Uh, first of all, I was in the boat with Steve when he caught his very first northern pike. And uh, that, was, that was a significant moment, wasn't it, Steve? life-changing moment, but also I always think about the fact that you are the only man that I have ever had breakfast with who ordered a breakfast appetizer. And, and oddly enough, breakfast appetizers just look like dessert, and, but we uh-huh. ate it, didn't we? Every bit, and, absolutely. Yep. So Steve Davis, everybody, give him a hand, will you? I love you, man. Love you too. Hey, it's a, it's a privilege to be here this morning. Uh, I'm aware that this is the last week before Paul Mumaw, our lead pastor, comes back from sabbatical. He'll be here next week. And um, as one of the elders at Genesis, I just want to say thank you uh, for being the kind of church that we could with confidence say a sabbatical is a really good idea. It'll be okay. Paul, you can be gone for for an extended amount of time, and when you come back, um, all of our people will be ready to see you, but we'll be okay in the absence. And so thanks to all of you who've been faithfully attending and and being here with us, and thanks to our amazing church staff who, in Paul's absence, has done an amazing job. So can we appreciate our staff together just a bit? So I wonder this, have you ever been not selected? Have you ever been the one left out, um, passed over, uh, rejected? Has that ever been you? Maybe for you, it was as a kid in the playground and there was the, the game of Red Rover, Red Rover. And you just wanted to hear your name, Red Rover, Red Rover, since Stevie on over, right? I was ready. But if your name's not called, then you just stay there and you never get to come across. Uh, or maybe it was a game of kickball where the, the cruel way of picking teams that is two captains who select children one by one come across. And every time your name's not called, it's like a slap in the face to your athletic prowess. And it hurts every time, whether you're the last or, or, or just like the sixth or seventh. Each time, it hurts. Maybe for you, it was a student council election and you didn't win. Maybe you wanted to be the homecoming king or queen. Maybe you just wanted to be nominated for the court. Maybe there was a college scholarship that you applied for. Maybe you didn't make the team. Maybe like my wonderful, fantastic, and beautiful wife, Sarah, you tried out for junior high basketball and got cut. And because that discouraged you so, your father, who loves you, encouraged you by buying you a volleyball. And then he got you some lessons from the local college coach, some one-on-one private sessions just to learn how to to play the game. And and you were encouraged and enthusiastic and ready to go. And volleyball tryouts came out, came up and and you you went out for the team. And despite you feeling like you were just as qualified as the the next gal, 
uh, you were cut again. And then maybe your dad forgot to pick you up after the tryouts. And so maybe you were sitting on the stairs outside the school crying to yourself, and I'm sure it was raining and there was like music in the background. And, and makeup is running down, and then your dad comes in late, screaming into the parking lot. And, and she turned out just fine, and her dad loves her a whole lot. But it can be especially painful when we get rejected or we feel rejected because a lot of times when we don't get selected, it's because someone else did. It's like someone else is better than me. And I'll say that Facebook makes this especially uh, apparent to me. I never used to know when all of you went out with people that weren't me. I was not offended because I didn't realize that I wasn't getting selected to go to dinner with the people in the neighborhood, everybody but me, right? Facebook is this constant awareness of where we stand in the friend pecking order. If you ever didn't get the position that you applied for, they probably said something like, we went in a different direction, or we went with someone else, right? Not me, someone else. If a boyfriend or girlfriend ever broke up with you, they may have said, I think we should see other people, not me, other people. And so this rejection in the face of others, uh, if you didn't make the team when you were growing up, seems like you turned out just fine. But if your kid didn't make the team, we suddenly feel like, our children will never amount to anything because they don't make it. So I'm going to make myself, I'm going to insert myself into this process, talk to the coach directly. So despite the fact that when I got cut, I, I, I did survive it. If, if my kids don't make the cut, man, I, I mean, the claws are coming out, right? Childhood pain can resound long into adulthood. And in adulthood, rejection only hurts just as bad. It gets, it's still painful. So this morning, I want to talk a little bit about a human in the Bible who didn't get selected. He had a 50-50 shot. He was qualified. But the decision went another way. And we're only going to learn a little bit about him because there's only a little bit about him to know. But before we dig in, pray with me, please. God, thanks for this day. Thanks for this week. Thanks for the opportunity to be together. And we thank you, Lord, for being here with us. Uh, we all pray that the words that I use will be your words and not mine. And I pray for your intervention and your grace between my mouth and the ears of everyone who hears this, that it might be the message that you want us to hear. So we love you and we thank you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's begin by filling out a notes page. If I were a little more time conscious, you'd probably have notes in there to fill the blanks, but we can do this. Um, I like blanks to fill in because I like to try and guess what's coming next, and, and every time I get it right, I elbow my wife, you know, tell Sarah how smart I am, and every time I get it wrong, she elbows me back. It's fun. So if you would, in your notes pages, you can write, strive to be blank, ABC, illustration blank, and uh, you have been something. So these are the notes that we're going to try to fill in. As we go, we'll have some scriptures along the way too. And you can fill that in at your own pace. Um, when you're done, we're going we're gonna to begin in Acts chapter 1. We're going to begin with verse 15, but so that you can know where we are in the context, uh, Jesus is crucified and he dies, but he doesn't stay dead. He is raised on the third day. He appears to many, and over the next about 40 days, he continues to instruct 
his followers, instruct his followers on the way to live. And then one day they're all together and Jesus, they watch as he ascends into heaven and then an angel comes among them and says, Jesus is gone. He, he went that way. He's going to come back the same way he left. But in the meantime, I would like for you to go and wait for the helper that Jesus promised to send, the Holy Spirit. So go wait. And so they do that. And while they're waiting, this occurs. Chapter, chapter 1, verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, brothers and sisters, the scripture has to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. And then verse 24 said, Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his home be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph, called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 disciples. So there we have it. Matthias is chosen. Barsabbas is not. And we never hear the name Joseph Barsabbas again in all of Scripture. In fact, every time I tried to type in the name Barsabbas into the message notes as I was preparing, uh, Microsoft's autocorrect spell checker suggested that I use the name Barabbas. And you might remember Barabbas. He was the one the crowds chanted for release instead of Jesus um, during the crucifixion. And I don't know how large the dictionary is in Microsoft's spell checker, but it's really big. And there are name, biblical names that are kind of odd that it knows how to spell, it recognizes, it'll correct for you, and, and names that I'll never have to type. But when Microsoft spell check decided to draw a line between who to include and who not to include, even Microsoft rejects Joseph Barsabbas. <laughs> In our world, that is the definition of rejecting. So replacing Judas with Matthias, based on the outcome of the casting of lots, raises lots of questions. First, the question might be, Steve, why in the world would you choose, of all the humans in the Bible, of all these great stories and great characters, why would you choose like the most obscure one? And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't so that um, I would appear smart, or it wasn't so that there's no way you could fact check me. That was not, not the reason, but I, I couldn't get over the fact that he was mentioned, and then never mentioned again. They could, Luke, who recorded all this, could have told the story that they had to replace Judas, and so they picked Matthias, and just moved on. But he included this small little piece of this guy who was qualified and not selected. And I couldn't put it out of my head. Um, so here we are. Second, do we still cast lots to make decisions at church? And, and I'll say this, at Genesis, we, we don't cast lots um, to make decisions because rock, paper, scissors is more fun. 
And that's not true either. We, we don't. Um, in, in Scripture, we see this particular situation where they cast lots, but never again in all of Scripture do we see anything like this. And so it's very odd. And uh, I, think, I think the answer is because of what happens right after this particular episode. The next thing that happens is Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes. And for the first time, the Holy Spirit invades us. Those who believe get the Holy Spirit inside of them. And so today, we have God's wisdom and discernment available through the Holy Spirit. And so I'm not saying God couldn't affect a game of chance and that he couldn't um, choose to make decisions, help us make decisions through the casting of lots. God can do anything he wants. Um, But I've seen that he's more prone to work through his church, through the people in his church, um, to help make decisions with with his help. And then finally, what can we learn from the example of Joseph Barsabbas, the almost apostle? And so that's what we're going to talk about mostly this morning. And for starters, I think it's helpful to remember and to know that people who love Jesus, people who pursue Jesus, people who follow Jesus, Christians, um, things don't always go their way either. And so if you've ever been in that situation where you didn't get selected, commiseration is, can, be, can be encouraging, right? Um, that, that can be helpful. But second, I like to think that Barsabbas, who is described as someone who is qualified, is an example for us that we could strive to be qualified. That doesn't mean that we could strive to be perfect and holy. That We'll never get there. Right? Scripture is very clear that we'll always fall short of the glory of God and that only through grace can we be qualified, but we can do our part. We can do our work like Barsabbas did. And so I think he did three things I'd like to talk about. The first is he spent time with Jesus. Scripture tells us he was with Jesus from the very beginning from, of his ministry, from, the, from John's baptism until his ascension. So he was with Jesus through some storms, he ate with Jesus, he got to walk around and follow Jesus. He got to be a part of some controversies in front of the Pharisees with Jesus. Um, he spent time pursuing our Savior. And, and we can do that too. We can work to learn more about Jesus, um, spending time in the Word, for example. We can study his life in the Word. We have access to Scripture in ways we've not had access before. We have access to people who have studied Scripture in ways that that we haven't before. And so we have no excuse really not to study on our own a lot about Jesus. But we also have the ability, like Barsabbas did, to learn about Jesus, to spend time with Jesus in a group. And Ben just talked about it. We have groups forming right now. Now's a great time to get into a small group. If you're not in one, get in one. If you... uh, are one that would prefer to pick your own group, start a group. We can help you do that too. But get into a group, spend some time with Jesus. And I don't know if you're ever convicted about how much time you spend on things other than pursuing Jesus, uh, but, but I recently was. And, and so I have this 45-minute commute each way. So I have an hour and a half in the car every day. And it's really good windshield time. And so I could listen to sports talk radio, which I enjoy, or I could listen to music, and, but I was feeling like I was just wasting this hour and a half every day of my life, and I wanted to seize my commute. 
And so I started listening to books on audio. So I say that I have been reading these books. I guess more accurately, someone else reads them to me as I drive. And it's very fascinating. And for some reason, right now, I'm, I'm interested in learning more about the people who founded our country and the early presidents. And so I've been listening to these biographies, and they're really long. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever finished a really long book, you really feel good about yourself, like you've really done something. And so I have listened to people read me books for like 150 hours within, a, within like 10 weeks. I was averaging two hours a day, and I started to feel this pride with how faithful I was to learning about these old dead people. And for some reason, I, I mean, that really was a, a proud thing for me, and I think that's why maybe God asked this question. And he's, So how long would it take to listen to the, the whole Bible? The whole Bible, how long would that take? And the answer is not very long, 75 hours. 75 hours. So I realized about the time I'm on like my fifth biography that I could have listened to the Bible twice. And instead, my time with Jesus, my daily time spent studying was kind of being reduced. And my time studying uh, Washington was being increased. And, and that just stuck a little bit wrong. And so then I asked another question, which might be convicting to you too. And, and my, my point here is not to convict, but how much time do I spend on social media every day? And how much time do I spend with Jesus every day? And uh, that was also fairly painful for me. So I'm not saying you could never read a book that's not the Bible. And I'm not saying social media is bad. I don't know what the right ratio is for you. But for me, I got way out of balance really, really fast. And I need to spend some more time with Jesus. So next, like Barsabbas, who allowed his name to be entered for consideration of this position, be willing to witness, be willing to serve as a witness to Christ's resurrection. Now, not a witness in the sense that we were there and watched him die, and then we were there after he died and saw him alive. That's the kind of witness Barsabbas got to be. But actually, Matthias got to be. But, but we could be a witness um, to Christ's life, his love, and the way he's changed our hearts. So 1 Peter 3.15, I love this scripture. It says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. To give the reason for the hope that you have. I love that. I love that. And I like to think that I'm ready. But it raises another question for me, and that's why would anyone ever ask me about the hope that I have? Why would anyone ask me that question? And Matthew 5.13 is instructive here. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light Shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So why would anyone ask me about the hope I have? And it's because there's something different about Christians. Um, something good different, by the way. Something good different. Something enticing. Something attractive. Christians are supposed to be salt 
and light. Salt, which preserves and makes things better. Light, which shines into dark places and eradicates them. If the people notice your life, your joy, your hope, they might ask about it. And they might not ask in this exact way. They might not say, hey, why do you have hope? It may be a, I know things are hard right now. How are you? Kind of like, are you really okay? Because you seem like you're okay. And I can't imagine being okay in the midst of what I know you're going through. So I don't know how the question is going to come to you. But if we're like Persavis, we'll be willing to witness. We'll be ready. And finally, uh, Barsabbas was willing to pray for God's will to be done, and he really meant it. I like that. Uh, pray for God's will. Because the scripture says, who prayed? It says, they all, they prayed, including Barsabbas and Matthias. And so I think this is a fairly brave prayer. I don't know if you've ever prayed a brave prayer, like, you know, God, give me patience. He's going to give you an opportunity for for you to be patient. But this is a prayer that Barsabbas prayed in front of 119 other people that said, Lord, search my heart and make a selection. So if you need to rank me not the one for this job in front of all these people, clearly this is something we want to do. But if you need to rank me second, that's okay. I want your will to be done. He was trusting in the Lord. And two weeks ago, Ben Krause was here And he gave a message on Abraham about faith. And he talked about obeying and believing and trusting. This is is faith. This is Barsabbas trusting in God's direction. If you missed that message, go to the podcast. It's a great one. Um, But they prayed about it and they asked God for his guidance and direction. And they trusted his decision. Now, I don't really know. We don't know. No one actually knows exactly how Matthias and Barsabbas responded to the result of the casting of lots. We don't know how magnanimous Matthias may have been uh, with his selection or how Barsabbas responded. Did he say, you know, uh, like the Academy Awards, it's just an honor to be nominated? He probably, and he probably really meant it. Like that, that seems to be likely, but we don't know. So as an illustration for how to handle these situations where you may or may not get selected... Um, We're going to go to a different story in the Bible. We're going to go back to the Old Testament, to Genesis. And it's chapters 37 through 50. It's the way the first book in the Bible ends with this story that's a really good one. You should read it this week. I'm going to try and summarize it, but I'm going to leave a lot of really good stuff out. So consider this like the teaser. You should totally read this story. But it's about Jacob and his 12 sons, one of whom was named Joseph. And so Jacob had a lot of kids, and he had a favorite. And Joseph was his favorite. And so I don't know how many of you have multiple children. And I don't know how many of you who have multiple children have a favorite. You're not supposed to. And if you have one, you're not supposed to tell the world about it. And you're really not supposed to tell your own kids about it. But you are not Jacob because that's what Jacob did. So he gave Joseph a coat to make him stand out. And it was really bright and it was really colorful. And it was so not normal that it was obvious what he was telling the world, this one is my favorite. And as weird as that is, that's what happened. And so the brothers felt rejected. They were totally not chosen to be the favorite. And then he rubbed it in with this, this whole coat thing. And so they took matters into their own hands, and they took their brother Joseph, 
and they were going to kill him, but then they thought, well, I don't want to have murder on my hands, so let's just sell him into slavery. That way we get some money too. And they took him and they sold him and they told dad that Joseph is dead and they went on living their lives. Kind of an over-the-top example of how not to handle rejection, right? But we've all wanted to do this, take things into our own hands, force something that may or may not be uh, okay. We all want to do this to, to force that feeling of rejection down and make ourselves feel better. We might jump ahead of God's plan. And then there's Joseph who was sold into slavery and had some ups and downs even in slavery. One of the downs would be wrongly accused of a crime he didn't commit. He gets thrown in jail. He's there for quite a while. And how does he respond to this rejection? I would like to be one of the brothers that gets to live in the family. I'd like to hang out with dad. I like that role better than this role. This role in slavery is not so good. How does he react to this? Well, when he finally gets his big chance... Joseph gets this opportunity to help the Pharaoh, and if he does this job well, it's very likely he's going to be released, so it's a big opportunity. And when asked, hey, Joseph, we hear you can interpret dreams. Will you interpret this dream for the Pharaoh so that he'll love you? Joseph says, I can't do this, but God can. And if he chooses to use me for that, he could do it, and, and I'll do it for you. But I can't do it, he can. As it turns out, God did select that. Joseph did interpret the dream. Joseph was selected for great things for the Pharaoh and truly lives happily ever after. He reconciles with his brothers, gets to play a prank on them beforehand, gets to go see his dad again. Life is good once again. But Joseph is our example of how to react when we don't get selected. So it's either happened to you several times or it will happen to you that you will be not selected. And when it does, I hope it's helpful to remember Joseph, but I also hope that this helps. We do know a little bit about the rest of Barsabbas' story. According to Christian tradition, and that is not scripture, but according to historians who are tasked with understanding where these people went and who they were and what time they went, according to these early second and third century church historians, Barsabbas served as the bishop of a town called Eleutheropolis, where he died as a martyr for the Christian faith. He is now known by the Catholic Church as Saint Justice of Eleutheropolis, Saint Joseph Barsabbas, a man who drank poison without harm, was imprisoned by Nero, but released based on a vision that Nero received. And on every year, on July 20, so just a few weeks ago, the Catholic Church celebrates St. Joseph Barsabbas for having chosen, having been chosen by God for a very large role in the early church and in the lives of those he helped to lead to Jesus. He was selected, not for the, a role that he thought he might be, but a short time later, he had a very large job in the church. So two big picture things to take away today. Two items. The first is be like Barsabbas. Strive to be qualified to serve as a witness to Christ's resurrection by spending some time with, with Jesus. Dig into his word. Get into a group. Spend some time every day talking to Jesus 
and listening for his answers. Two, be willing, be willing to be a witness to him. Be ready and willing to answer the question, what's different about you? How are you handling this well? And finally, pray for God's will to be done and, and really mean it. This is, this is the faith exercise. Have some faith to trust God when his will happens because it might not be the same as your will. So pray for his will and mean it. And finally, remember this. Like Barsabbas, you have been chosen. You have been chosen for a big role. You get to be a child of God. We get to be children of God. So Romans 8, 14 through 17 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are His children, then we are heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And if you remember this, if I remember this, the next time we get rejected, we still might not get that job promotion. We still might have bad things happen, hard things happen. Rejection might still occur. But we have been selected. And by the way, God paid a terrible price to choose us. We're worth hanging on nails for to him. So we were not rejected by the only one who really matters because he called, he chose, he selected you to be his heir in eternity. And so that has helped me as I've studied this part to, to remember to hold these opportunities that might be placed before me with open hands, knowing that we are his adopted heirs and we get to spend eternity with him. And with a perspective like that, Maybe we, like Joseph Barsabbas, can say, God, search my heart. Take this situation into your will. Orchestrate this however you desire because I'm in. I'm your child. I trust you and I love you. We could be like Barsabbas in that way. Pray with me. God, thank you for choosing us. Thanks for being a God that is big enough to rule over all the challenges in our life. Thanks for loving us so much to choose us to be with you for eternity. And we pray that you would help us to be the kind of children that you need in your world today. We love you. We love Genesis Church. We're thankful for the chance to be here this morning. We pray for more of you this very week. In Jesus' name, amen.